Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes, this is indeed the Gagan Pod Match Day Edition. Great to have you with us as always. I'm Richard Bayless. Coming up on the show, we'll recap Match Day 2B, if you like. Eight matches came live this morning on Optusport in the Champions League. Some great storylines, as always. More goals to talk about, plenty of drama, and some re-emergence, I suppose you could say, of some of the big clubs. All that and more, we'll hear from Mark Schwarzer and John Aloisi as well. The Socceroos legends join us on the podcast. Joining us as well in the studio Michael Bridges, former striker in the Champions League. How are you, mate? I'm very well, Rich. Another great morning with lots of action in the Champions League. Love it. Indeed. Hello, Dave Wiener as well, our sports editor. Morning, and what Bridges said. Good fun as ever. That's the first time ever someone said what Bridges said. (laughs) But that's okay. You're learning. We're we're aligned. Yep. Little fist bump in the studio as well. Let's get Mark Schwarzer on the phone, first of all, because you could say the headline act, if you like, this morning of the Champions League was Manchester United. We probably haven't said that enough over the past few years from the perspective of a Manchester United supporter, which, by the way, I'm not one, but for those out there listening, Mark Schwarzer is making his way back to London after witnessing that 5-0 demolition of RB Leipzig. Schwarzy, how impressive were United this morning? Uh, I thought they were very impressive from about the 68th minute when uh, Bruno Fernandes came on. Uh, Marcus Rashford, I think, came on just before him. Uh, and from the point of when Bruno Fernandes came on, the game really swung in United's favour. Uh, Donny van der Beek, uh, unfortunately, had a had a very average game. Um, didn't take his opportunity. Uh, I felt that there, there was a lack of connection. It's clear, you know, he's only been there for a short period of time. And, and the, the chemistry isn't quite there yet. Fernandez and enter Fernandez, Rashford, and the game changed, um, and it became really the Rashford and, and Fernandez show. Um, so United were were impressive from that moment onwards. We have waxed lyrical about Bruno Fernandez quite a bit over the past few months because since he's been a United player, Bridgie, he's been phenomenal. But what about Marcus Rashford? I know he's getting a lot of attention off the pitch, and so he should because he's such an impressive young man for what he's doing in the UK at the moment. But on the pitch, a hat-trick off the substitutes bench as well. Pretty impressive. Yeah, very impressive. And you know he's a lively character. I think that was the the last hat-trick by a substitute at Manchester United since Solskjaer. So, you know, there's a little bit going on there. Read into that what you will. But just a great player. And like you say, he's doing amazing things off the field. He got his opportunity and he normally likes playing on that left-hand side, Rich. He went down the middle and the finishes that he produced were absolutely brilliant. His timing of his run for one of the goals, the linesman actually flagged him offside. It went to VR, but you can't be offside when you're inside your own half. So the linesman didn't even know the own the, the bloody rules of the game. I think the concern was that he maybe had touched the line, but we don't want to get into don't that level into of that. detail. He it was, was good quality. Run. Let him have the glory, and that is a very impressive result against a team that is leading the Bundesliga. By the way, hey Bridgie, as a striker looking at Marcus Rashford, he's obviously been on the left a lot for United. Change of formation slightly, change of personnel today um, with the options Solskjaer has. Would you like to see more of? Uh, Rashford flying in behind centrally or or is the left-hand side where he, he's best played at United? When there's teams that play a high line like Leipzig did and there was a lot of opportunities in space and behind, Rashford, I think, can play anywhere. 
The problem he has is when teams drop in and you've got to change your number nine and play with your back towards goal. I think Lukaku is one of the best in the world at it. When you, you've got a, I call it a, a wall pass. So the midfields are looking up, they're facing forward, and you're just looking for somebody that you can bounce off while you've got a defender. He lacks that. He loves to drive and run at people. So I think it depends who you're playing against. But um, he, he has the potential to play that role against the correct team. Schwartzy, Manchester United in the first two match days have beaten two of the semi-finalists from last year's Champions League. In a group that a lot of people predicted they would struggle in, geez, they've started well, haven't they? Do you put them amongst the big boys yet after what they've done the first two match days? It's probably a little bit premature, but just how impressed are you with them so far? Oh, very impressed. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I thought it'd be a real struggle for them. Yes, it still may well be, but it, it's, it's the perfect start that they've had uh, so far. And I have to say, I think Bridgie was for once listening to my my coverage on, on, on the show tonight because he nicked my stat that I gave about <laughs> Rashford being the first player to score a hat-trick as a substitute in Dolly Good Soul Show in 99 uh, against Nottingham Forest Bridgie just to add on to the end of it to make sure you finish off that stat correctly I was but only yeah, listening to half because I, I fell asleep <laughs> obviously well, congratulations to both of you. you. You both did well with the same stat there. I really enjoyed it. Manchester United, great start. They now turn their attention to Arsenal. Based on what you've seen so far, Schwartzy, and obviously this morning in particular, surely they'll go into this game favourites, won't they, against the Gunners? Two clean sheets in a week, played well enough against Chelsea to hold out and get a point, and then this one this morning as well. Uh, yeah, I think you would you would say that they're at the moment uh, slight favourites, particularly obviously Bruno Fernandes, Marcus Rashford, in the form that they're in. Um, uh, I think is, is, a, is a real positive for Manchester United. Arby Leipzig were, were poor tonight. They were nowhere near their best. Actually, I saw them on the weekend as well at home to House of Berlin, and they were a bit fortunate to win that game. Um, so, you know, there, there, is, there are definitely some concerns for Arby Leipzig. They de- definitely haven't got the sort of the rhythm that they had uh, last season, particularly at the end when they made it to the semi-finals of the Champions League. So, uh, I, I think Arsenal will pose a slightly more, more uh, intense and uh, difficult uh, opponent than I'll be likely to work today. But I, I still think uh, Manchester United have done enough at the moment to, to warrant being favourite in that game. Schwartzy, do you think after what Fernando did coming off the bench today, obviously Pogba started, in terms of Solskjaer's big challenge in the dynamic, trying to get the two of them to play together, can he do that? And would you play them together this weekend? Uh, you know, I thought Paul Pogba was solid tonight. I, I mean, I, you know, in the past I've been really critical of his performances and and I, I try and be as honest as possible, and obviously that's my opinion. Um, I thought tonight there were there were some really there were some decent things that he did. And he obviously was instrumental in in Greenwood, Mason Greenwood's uh, the opening goal. Uh, it was his burst uh, with the ball um, about thirty meters or so that put Greenwood through. Um, even though Greenwood obviously still had a lot to do, but he, he created something from nothing in that instant. There was a couple of really good touches in, in and around the pitch. Um, I thought his, his, his work rate was, was, was far better than I've seen in the past. So, you know, you've got to give credit when credit's due. Uh, is, he, is he at the level that, you know, the, the, the whole price tag, the whole, uh, I think, the, 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 the attention that he received? No, I, don't, I still don't think he's at that level. Um, but the signs are definitely more positive. Look at last season, you know, he played so few games for United. This, this season, he's fit, he's playing. Um, and it uh, seems to be getting better. Schwartzy, before we let you go, we did mention it on the post-game show this morning. You would have got in there looking suave in your scarf, and then you look down to the dugout and the away team manager, Julian Nagelsmann, he's wearing 
what can only be described as a tweed jacket with checks on it. Uh, he looks fantastic with a tie as well. Did you feel inadequate when you saw him and what he was wearing? No, I didn't actually. I mean, I, I thought two people, first and foremost, like I said on the show, I thought of Michael Bridges and I thought that is right up his street. And he definitely had one of those in, in his closet. And I also thought uh, and, and knew that you would get very excited about it. I mean, I can see that you've been a big Nagelsmann admirer and he's definitely in his wardrobe. That definitely is up uh, you know, in, in your court as well. Absolutely. As soon as he retires from management, he'll take over your gig, Schwartzy. So just a heads up. I want to know how Schwartzy's been in my closet because he's absolutely bang on. I have got one. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Schwartzy, uh, safe travels back, mate. We appreciate your time as always. Uh, look after yourself and we'll catch up with you soon. See you, guys. The gig and pod will be back in 20 seconds. Once you're done with this episode, though, take a moment to look up two sharp reds. Socceroos great Mark Schwarzer is joined by Ollie Geel to talk about the lighter side of world football with a real focus on the day-to-day of the Premier League. Two sharp reds from Optus Sport, available where you get your podcasts. Now, back to the gig and pod. Let's move on to one of the other English sides this morning, Dave. And actually, they're the only ones not holding up their end of the bargain because every English side so far, perfect, apart from Chelsea. Although, let's be honest, they've got four points, they haven't conceded a goal, and a good win this morning, 4-0 away at Krasnodar. Now, I had Bridgie in stitches this morning, which I have to confess when I said that Krasnodar really impressed me. And he said, they lost 4-0. What, what, what is this? But to tell you the truth, Edward Mendy, he had to make saves, Bridgie, at nil all and at 1-0. And Krasnodar hit the post. So, you know what? The Russians at home, uh, they went for it. They have nothing to lose. You know, they're, they're battling with Ren for that third spot, you would think. And, and they had a real crack. But thankfully for Chelsea, the story now is they're not conceding. Mendy's making big saves, where otherwise they wouldn't. That was his fourth clean sheet for the club. Um, but, yes. Dave Krasnodar won two stats. <laughs> One was corners, 6-4. to four, And the other was yellow cards, 2-0. Apart from that, it was absolutely honking. <laughs> But I will credit Man- uh, Chelsea because you've said that all leading up to the week we were discussing can yeah. they keep a clean sheet and can the superstars at the other end link it all together to get a convincing win or, or get the win. And, you know, Mendy yet again, like you said, with the saves that he has made, another clean sheet, he's been a breath of fresh air. He's been brilliant. Uh, look, it took its time. Like, besides hudson Adoy having a, the ball thrown in by the opposition keeper in the first half, it did take time for Chelsea to truly break Krasnodar down. But what was impressive was Pulisic came off the bench. He really sparked things up. Ziyech looked good in patches. Um, most intriguing was Lampard had at one point all, th- all five of them, um, Ziyech, Pulisic, Werner, Havertz and Mount all on the pitch at the same time. Now, I wonder, is that sustainable? Oh, if it's working, and you've, as long as you've got a, somebody that is a defensive-minded midfielder to screen in front of that back for me, long may it continue, because the m- more players that are out there on the field like them, I'm happy to watch. Mm. Kante came on at that point, so... There's your answer. So, Chelsea, after two games, four points in Group E elsewhere. I'm sure Ren would have preferred to have had Edouard Mendy still in goal for them. They went down 1-0 to Sevilla. Both Sevilla and Chelsea on four points in that group. We turn our attention to the other team in Manchester United's group that will be favoured to go through. PSG, two goals away at Istanbul, Basik Shahir, and it's Everton player on loan from Everton to PSG, Moise Keane, that got the double. John Aloisi said in the coverage that he doesn't look like a footballer. I don't think that's meant to be offensive. I think it's just where he is in his development, but he popped up with two. We know, though, Bridgie, that being a teenager or just into your 20s means absolutely nothing at the moment. Erling Braut Haaland and Jaden Sancho, the two guys that did it, with Jude Bellingham, the young English player for Dortmund as well, in their 2-0 victory over Zenit. 
Yeah, I mean, it's impressive to see all the youngsters coming through and they're performing. And like you say, it's a big thing that we're trying to change in Australia as well. How can we get younger mm. players ma- playing more competitive games at the senior level? Because it enhances the development process, the education. And, you know, these are on the world stage doing fantastic things. So all in all, um, you know, keen to get the two goals. I, I still say if I was playing at the age of 42 and John Aloisi was playing in that PSG team as the striker with Neymar Mbappe and Di Maria given the amount of chances, I'd still score to this day. So there you go. So I'm not going to give him too much credit, but he looks more at ease than he did at Everton. I thought you were going to say that if myself and John Aloisi were alongside those players, we wouldn't look like footballers either. Well, we wouldn't, <laughs> but I would score goals. <laughs> you probably would. Uh, elsewhere this morning, the Paul Ocon Derby, Dave. This is uh, great. I'm sure Paolo was watching this one, of course, formerly of both Club Bruges and Lazio. What happened here? This is the group that also includes Dortmund and Zenit. Yeah, I just... It was texting Paolo and um, he was lamenting the the lack of fans in the stadium and I think that's a reality for everyone in Europe at the moment. But both his clubs uh, shared the spoils. I think even though uh, Lazio, sorry, coming from the more illustrious competition, on face value, Rich, would probably look at it and go, they would have been favourites in this game. They came in with 12 players left in Italy, including Ciro Immobile, because of um, not positive COVID tests, but the COVID protocols. They were stuck within the UEFA processes and couldn't get cleared in time um, so for them it was a really important point away at Bruges who probably came home with a with more momentum in the second half and I think this is going to continue there's no doubt about it yeah. there's going to be matches that you're not going to be able to predict because until you get to that 24 hour period you don't know how many players are actually going to have this COVID and are not going to be able to play and like you say for 12 players to be out that is colossal so they look at that away tie a point I would say you know they've done very well well, breaking news while we are recording the pod. Alex Tellez, left back, recently signed for Manchester United, also has tested positive for coronavirus. Wasn't involved this morning. Won't be involved against Arsenal. So, yep, you're right, Bridgie. It will continue to pop up as we say hello to John Aloisi on the podcast. It's a theme in our feature game that was this morning as well, John, of course, because no Cristiano Ronaldo. He's still testing positive, or at least not testing negative, I suppose, before he returns for Juventus. And they were outplayed, weren't they, at home to Barcelona, who looked very slick. Yeah, they were definitely outplayed. They, um, I think that Pilo tactically got outplayed by Truman. Um, they were in the midfield. They were outnumbered most of the time, and that was because Messi was dropping in uh, and creating that overload in midfield, along with Griezmann, which that was probably his best game that he's had for Barcelona for a, a long time even though he didn't get on the score sheet. And uh, Barcelona, the only thing they will take away, a little bit of a disappointment, they weren't ruthless enough because they created so many clear-cut chances. At times, probably wanted to walk the ball into the net, and uh, that was probably the only disappointing factor of the, the Barcelona performance and win. Before the game, we were kind of joking, John. We said, oh, Messi might come out with a smile on his face after Bartomeu, the president of Barcelona, stepped down, which we went through at length yesterday in the pod. But it kind of looked like he was enjoying his football more, didn't it? It did. It looked like that um, he, he was you know, obviously finding space uh, in, in good areas on the pitch and the, and the players are finding him. But um, I've never seen him so happy when one of his teammates scored a goal. There's a big smile on his face when Dembele put that first one away. Uh, and then when he scored that penalty, you know, you expect him to celebrate. But uh, you can see it was a, a relief and, and a sense that you know what, we're all gonna, we're going to be on the right track. We're going to get. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A new president in. We're going to get a new board in. And with these young players around like Pedri, uh, Ansu Fati and the likes, I think we're, we're heading in the right direction. John, you've just mentioned that kid Pedri. I've made he was an unbelievable performance against Quadrado on that right-hand side who was filling in as a bit of a right-back slash wing-back. What's the what's the um, talk? I've heard there's a bit of um, magnitude... Magnitude? Massive praises well, in the papers it, in Spain. It's a word, magnitude. Yeah, but yeah he's getting great raps, basically. <laughs> hype? Hype? Well, there is a lot of hype, Bridgie, and it always happens in Spain. It's either you're the best in the world or you're the worst, and at the moment, Pedri is the best signing in the last 10 years. That's what they're saying in the Spanish papers. He only cost 5 million euro from La Palma to win the second division. He's uh, he's from the, the Canary Islands. He's from Tenerife, played in Las Palmas. And so he's not from La Masia, but uh, what, a, what a talented player. He, he just looks, uh, not only is he so balanced and, and he can dribble past players easy, just the way he's able to find players in good positions as well. And uh, his intelligence on the football pitch for a 17-year-old um, is scary. Well, now I know why he's got good feet. If he's from Tenerife, them nightclubs there are unbelievable. <laughs> Speaking from experience, um, John, if talking of the best signing of the last decade, uh, what about on the flip side, Antoine Griezmann? Why are the youngsters adapting so easily in a year in uh, Griezmann is not? What did you make of him today? No, he was better today. I thought that he started to combine a little bit more with uh, Messi. Um, he hit the post early on. He set up Messi for a great opportunity in the first half as well. Um, the, the thing that was lacking from his game was that the, the end product in scoring a goal, but... Um, you know, they've been very critical of him, and so have we, since he's been at Barcelona. But even the Spanish papers were saying, let's not write off Griezmann too early because he showed glimpses today. And So everything positive at the moment for Barcelona after two successive losses, one against Real Madrid and the week before against Getafe. So signs, positive signs, but they've still got a lot of work to do. On the flip side, the first loss for Juventus, Andrea Pirlo has witnessed since he's been a manager there. We heard Adriano Del Monte on the post-game show say that the questions will be asked, not only because it's a first first loss under him, but also because of the fact that they were so poor in this one. And of course, with Ronaldo out, they always have that safety net of blaming it on that. But just a word, Bridgie, on Juventus, they didn't look like a team that will trouble in the later stages unless they kind of get a bit more of a spark and obviously get all their players back as well. Yeah, they looked lethargic. Um, didn't look up for the fight, even when they were down at home. And you're thinking, is Pirlo going to change it? Are we going to see some substitutions? And I think the substitutions came too late. And I don't think it, it changed the dynamics. Um, and that was because of the style of play. Barcelona controlled it. They didn't look like they wanted to get back into the game. And that was that was worrying signs. The only positives is Morata. He had three chances. He had three goals. And they were all disallowed for offside. But... They were creating them, and he was getting the opportunity. So that for me, that is the only positive that Juve can take out of this. And you know, questions will be getting asked as Perlo, with his experience, he was tactically done today by Kuman and Barca. John, this is a, a little bit of a Solskjaer, a little bit of a Lampard situation with Perlo there, who is such an icon, and there doesn't seem to be 
that much uh, pressure in the sense that they're giving him that breathing space. But with the results in Syria actually niggling away with draws, how long do you think that breathing space is, given that the minimum expectation there is the Scudetto? If that goes under threat, do you think that he, he does have that luxury? Yeah, I've never heard of a, a coach having breathing space at Juventus. Uh, I think at the moment, yes, there hasn't been a lot of questions going his way because he's a he's a football and an Italian icon. But um, the, the the thing is about Pilo and, and a little bit different to Lampard, a little bit different to Solskjaer, is they had a little bit more experience. All right, Lampard only one year at Derby County, but he still had that one year under his belt. Uh, Solskjaer early on at Cardiff and then uh, back. Uh, in Norway. So with uh, Pirlo, he was appointed as under-23 coach of Juventus and within days got pushed up to the first team. So he hasn't got that experience. And Fuji made a point about substitutes. That comes with game experience and and, uh, and and you can only get that through more games you coach. And I think that Fuji is right because in that first half they struggled in the midfield and you saw in the beginning of the second half Barcelona start to dominate. That was a time to make a change especially in the midfield, and start to get a bit more control of the game, and he didn't do that. I enjoyed watching Pjanic this morning as well in that midfield. Imagine if he was on the other team still with Juve. You wonder whether it might have been a slightly different story, but he's class. He's just a class act. Total, his touches, his movement, his positioning. Uh, Juve must have been watching that. The fans going, oh, why have we not still got him? Let's move on to the Premier League. If you guys missed anything in the Champions League the past couple of days, feel free to go into the Optus Sport app. You've got all the match replays on there as well as reaction, mini matches and highlights as well. Plenty to discuss as always, but we return to the Premier League at the weekend. It kicks off on Saturday morning. Wolves and Crystal Palace. Palace are going very well at the moment, but so too are Wolves. And Raul Jimenez's goal last week was absolutely brilliant, particularly if, like me, you've got him in the fantasy team. But on Saturday night, the early kickoff, Sheffield United and Manchester City. Dave, surely City back with De Bruyne and Sterling playing so well. Yeah, as I said yesterday, I think that was the perfect game for them against Marseille, toothless Marseille, but they're able to roll out the, the red carpet for De Bruyne. And I think, don't underestimate Phil Foden, I think without Jesus and without Aguero at the moment, having Foden start to step up, and he's playing a little bit further forward, Bridgie, as well, um, is absolutely critical for them. But I hope, oh, I feel sorry for Sheffield United. They were gallant against Liverpool, they're struggling and they need to turn it sorry for them. Yeah, yeah, they do after this if it's last season. I don't want them to go down and I think they've got to turn things around pretty soon. Have you not noticed that Dave is always advocating for the participation award? Last yeah. week it was Ferenc Varos, today Krasnodar, this weekend so, it was Sheffield hey, United. Can I tell you a bit about my sporting You know career? when you were playing, Dave, were you the one that always got that award? I just, I, yeah, that tells you a bit about my it's, mentality. It is, isn't it? <laughs> well the, done for turning up. He's the ultimate underdog and that's why we love him. Elsewhere, John, this one will be interesting. Burnley, like Sheffield United, Still looking for their first victory. They're at home to Chelsea. And as we saw, Tottenham played well against Burnley, but it's so hard at Turf Moor, isn't it, to score goals, plural. Did Chelsea have similar sort of issues, do you think, in this one? Yes, they will have issues in this one because Burnley are a tough team to play against. But we saw Tottenham, they, they didn't create many chances. They end up scoring off of a set piece. Uh, that uh, partnership again in Son and Kane. But uh, failed to really create a lot of opportunities, then you have to give credit to Burnley because they make it difficult for you. It's a difficult place to go, even when there's no crowd. It's not going to be an easy game for Chelsea. You know that that, that you expect them to have confidence after their win um, against Krasnodar, but it's not going to be an easy game. 
Speaking of confidence, that's what West Ham have as well, but they travelled to Anfield, don't have a great record there. Liverpool might not have many fit centre-halves, but they'll go in as big favourites because they might ship in a couple and have defensive issues, but Bridgie, they'll probably score six or seven. <laughs> They've got every chance. I mean, up top, it's brilliant. You think he rested Firmino, Salah and um, Mane during the week, and the, the ones that came in, you know, didn't really stand out. The only one that did is Jota. He's been fantastic. Has he pushed himself into that starting system where it remains to be seen and how will they cover at the back is it going to be um, Reese Williams because of the injury to Fabinho or is Matip going to be fit how long can he last because I think Matip is a bit like my career he's made of glass so how long can he, he keep going uh, it's going to be a cracking game and I've got to say you know Moyes has had some amazing results when he hasn't been there he's been doing his zooms you know 2-4 I think it was 4-0 and 4-1 and then he's come back in and there's been a little bit hitty-missy and a decent result against City. Hitty-missy, you love that word. Well, it's, uh, it's not a word, but anyway. Well, anyway, what it is. <laughs> so it, it's going to be it's an interesting, half words. <laughs> interesting game and I'm going to say Liverpool will get this result done. And I don't like saying this is a game that I'm looking forward to watching. The other one, Burnley and Chelsea, I'll only be watching it because of Chelsea because if Burnley were playing in my back garden, my house, I would shut the curtains because I hate watching them. <laughs> if, if Burnley are playing in your back garden, then this COVID thing's gone really horribly out of control. I, I only make light about the fact that Liverpool could score six or seven. They probably need to soon, Dave, because that's what they haven't been actually doing. They've been scraping victories, which shows a champion team, but they haven't put anyone to the sword, have they? Well, is the best form of defence attack for them going forward, I wonder, as well, because uh, that's where they are short. And uh, that's I'm fascinated. We haven't brought it up yet, and I think we probably will start to talk about it before the international break, because Liverpool have always done enough. Last year, they did enough at the back end when the form was a bit down. Now they're just doing enough. Who is actually going to step up while they're only doing enough or a bit less? Is there anyone around in the chasing pack that is going to take advantage of this? Spurs and Leeds. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a somewhat biased answer. What do you think, John? It's a very good question because a lot of people are predicting this might be a really open season, yet Liverpool still sit second, don't they? They're still there when things aren't going perfectly. If anyone is to take the mantle from either Liverpool or City, if you like, who will be the most likely, do you think? I think it's too early to say, Rich, and, uh, and that's because you know teams have started slow. I still think Man United will come good. Whether they're going to be good enough to challenge, uh, who knows? Um, and, and I think that uh, Man City also will come good. They've started slow, but there's still a lot of games left, a lot of points, and you think about it, that from top to ninth place, there's only three points difference. <laughs> How can you write off anyone at this stage? And it's probably the most open Premier League season that I can remember. I think if it's going to come from any team, it's going to come from a team that are not playing in a European competition this season. Because the big thing that all the managers are saying, it's the travel restrictions that they've got to deal with. It's all the hassles and the arrangements. The amount of games that are coming thick and fast, the Christmas period is going to be, it, it's a huge time in, in England at Christmas because it is people's lifestyle, it's the culture, there's so many games, they, they, can't, they can't go to the games now and see that, and I think it's going to come from a team, or a couple of teams that are not in Europe, so that could be your Villa, it could be Everton, it can be your Leeds. I heard a stat this morning, I wish I could remember it exactly, but the percentage increase in soft tissue injuries this year, and then compared on two seasons ago, it is making an impact. So it's going to be a survival of the fittest as much as anything too. Exactly what Pep said. Well, it doesn't look like any of the English clubs at this stage will be crashing out early of Europe either. I mean, you'd expect in the Europa League those three teams to go through, and then so far it's been really good for them in the Champions League too. So it's not even a question of, oh, we'll get out of Europe before Christmas and have a break. It's going to continue right the way through the season for those big clubs. 
Overnight on Sunday, Aston Villa and Southampton, followed by Newcastle against an Everton who, as you mentioned, Bridgie, might fancy themselves despite the fact they lost 2-0 against Southampton last week. Then the big one, Manchester United and Arsenal. Spurs, Brighton, John, we haven't spoken a whole heap about Matty Ryan this season. They've played really well, Brighton, haven't they? But they've only got one win to show for it. They need to start getting some results quick smart because everybody's talking about how good Graham Potter's football is, but they're not getting results. Yeah, no, they haven't been. Really, the results haven't married with their performances because I think they've been performing really well. I like the way they play their football. I like the way uh, Graham Potter goes about things. It's a difficult game, though, to, to say that you know they need to pick up a win against Spurs. I still think they need to beat the teams around them, um, and I expect them to be safe because uh, out of those bottom half teams, they're probably the, the team that plays the best football and creates the most chances. Defensively, they're still a little bit suspect, but you, you think that they will be safe enough. Dave, two teams on Tuesday morning, mate, that haven't yet got a victory. It's got draw written all over it, this one, but... Surely at Craven Cottage when Fulham meet West Brom, the desperation in the air will be palpable. My favourite word, Deb, score draw. Yeah, I don't think if Fulham can't get it here, um, they I've ne- I don't remember a team getting ridden off so early in the season to definitely go down as, as much as Fulham. Um, By an ex-legend in Mark Swartz. Swartz has been one of many. Uh, mm. This is must win. Yeah, only three teams that have been in this position have started like this have ever survived. It is early to write them off, but I guess it's more that where are the points going to come from? And this matchup is the ultimate this game to get three points. points. Where do you reckon? Yeah, it is. Where are you going for? Home or away or draw? In this one? Yeah. I think Fulham will get a result eventually. They, they played pretty well in the first half against Crystal Palace, but then West Brom played quite well in the second half against Brighton. So, yeah, it's a draw, isn't it? Let's be honest about this I, one. I, I saw enough in West Brom's finishing against Chelsea that I... I, I there was three clutch chances, three finishes. Uh, if Fulham give them anything like those chances, I fancy them. We've saved the best for last. The final game of the round happens at 7 a.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time and Optus Sport leads Leicester. Away you go, Bridgie. What happens? Leeds United win. There is. You, I'm going to give you a stat, Rich. You know all of a stat. Jamie Vardy and Patrick Banford. So Vardy is back. He scored the winner. He came on against Arsenal. He, you know, It's good to see him back for them. He scored 12 goals in 15 games against newly promoted teams. Can he advance on that? I hope he doesn't. I hope it's the other man, Bamford. And Leeds United will continue that magnificent start this season. So go the mighty whites. Yep, Leeds back at home after that big win over Aston Villa. But Leicester have been the giant killers, haven't they? Away at both Manchester City and Arsenal. They'll be coming off the back of a Europa League match, though. A trip which is always tricky. They have to go to Greece to play AK Athens. Not easy to do. Anyway, we're out of time on the Gagan pod. Uh, Gents, thanks very much. Dave, have a great weekend. Thank you. Great couple of days. Indeed, Bridgie, all the best. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend, everybody, all the listeners. And Jay, great to hear your insight again. I love your work. Yeah, Johnny, all the best, mate. We'll see you soon. Thanks, boys. Look forward to Saturday night. Indeed. On Saturday night, we'll be live. Countdown to kickoff is 90 minutes before the opening game on Saturday night, which is Sheffield United at home to Manchester City. 10 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. You can interact with us because it's live on both YouTube and Facebook. We'll be chatting about all the round, all the weekend in the Premier League and around the world as well. And we always love having your company. Between now and then, enjoy your football. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.